Verse 2, 4 verse 2, further instructions. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. The very words of God. Well, as was mentioned, uh, we are coming from Trinity Christian Reformed Church in Edmonton, and we are just getting through a, an eight-week series uh, on prayer. We've been talking about um, what is prayer, how do you pray, giving some practical uh, examples of prayer, uh, talking about prayer as being in God's presence, um, praying constantly. So we've been looking at prayer for eight weeks, and last week... We finished up this eight-week series with this message on being devoted to prayer. So this is where this sermon is coming from. It's pretty hot out of the oven, so I pray that it will be a blessing to you this morning. Well, let's go to God in prayer. O God of Jesus Christ, give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ so that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. Help us to know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of your power at work in us. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now when you think of being devoted to something, what comes into your mind? When you think about being devoted to something, is it your work? You've been working at the same company, you've been working in the same industry for years or possibly even decades. Monday through Friday, maybe every other weekend for as long as you can remember, you wake up and you faithfully head off to that same place. I would call that devotion. When you think about being devoted to something, what comes to your mind? You think about family. You spend hours every day caring for your family, cooking meals, taking the kids to volleyball matches or to basketball games, caring for sick kids, caring for aging parents. Well, I would say that that's devotion. Well, in our passage this morning, we are instructed to devote ourselves to prayer. Put in the effort, commit yourself to it, be strong, and hold fast to prayer. Well, the Lord is saying this to us through his word in the 21st century, but first he's saying it to the Christ followers in Colossae. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Well, Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians to keep them on path, growing as Christ's disciples. He wants to see them continue in the way of maturity in their discipleship. 
Now, if we stand back and look at this letter as a whole, we get the sense that there is something amiss in Colossae. There is something bad that's going on. There's a teaching, there's a belief or this new philosophy that's running up against the gospel. Now, we're not told exactly what this new message entails, but we're given some generalities. We're told that it involved telling the people what they could and could not eat or drink what special days and festivals they had to recognize and celebrate. It involved telling the people what these certain taboos were, what it was that they could and could not touch or handle. Well, the new philosophy or teaching supposedly offered ways to attain this secret knowledge, knowledge that was reserved only for the spiritually elite. It taught that humans could access those things that were above this higher knowledge by seeking out intermediaries, these different spiritual go-betweens. So you had the, the divine realm, then you had us humans down here, and so in between you had intermediaries, whether they were angels, uh, elemental spirits, principalities. You had to do certain practices of self-discipline to help get this knowledge and um, receive visions from the intermediaries. Well, Paul was concerned that this teaching was leading the people off course. He feared that it was taking away from the gospel message of Christ and attracting Christ's followers to this new alternative. Well, this philosophy was teaching fulfillment, but it was teaching it in ways that were outside of Christ. Now, for us, this is very relatable because we are people who desire fulfillment. And the world today offers us fulfillment in abundance. Well, think about it. What are some ways where the world is telling you to find fulfillment? It tells us that you can get fulfillment through money if you just have enough. It talks about fulfillment through sex. If you're just having sex with the right person or... Um, having the, the best sex that you can have, then you will be fulfilled. It tells us that if you have the right career, or maybe if you are in the right relationship with somebody, if you just have that right special somebody in your life, well, then you will be fulfilled. Well, this morning I want to highlight one way specifically that the world is telling us to get fulfillment. One way that I've noticed this creeping into my life is through information and knowledge. If I just know enough, well then I'll be fulfilled. If I just gain enough wisdom, well then I will be satisfied. I'll be content. On well, today, 21st century, we are offered more information than we can possibly handle. Now who here has ever listened to a podcast? Raise them high. Yeah, a majority of us have listened to podcasts. Well, recent data tells us that there are over 550,000 podcasts out there. Well, they've estimated that number to be uh, almost 19 million episodes. So each podcast is made up of episodes, and they estimate that to be 19 million. Now, if we conservatively estimate each episode to be about 15 minutes, in reality, I think it's closer to 30 minutes, but we're just going to say 15 minutes. So if you do the math, multiply 19 million 
by 15 minutes, that's 285 million minutes of podcasts out there. That's information. And if we go a little bit further with the math, we, uh, we can deduce that that is over 500 years of information in podcasts. And that's just podcasts. We have our computers, our phones, and our tablets that have access to millions, if not hundreds of millions of articles. We have information on everything from the meaning of life, the latest fashion trends, and how I can shed 10 pounds in 10 weeks. Now, of course, there are libraries of books out there as well. I get emails from different publishers telling me when one of the authors that I like comes out with a new book. So I get excited about the prospect of learning something new, adding another book to the shelf. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that education is bad. I'm definitely not saying that learning is bad. And passing time being entertained by a podcast is definitely not bad. But I think it's good for us as Christians to check our motivations. Why do we as a society, why do we as a church, as God's people, why do we crave so much information and knowledge? Is it just because we enjoy learning? Or does it get at something a little bit deeper? Are we like the Colossian church that's subtly being tempted away from Christ? Are we buying the lie that says that knowledge will bring us fulfillment? That we can attain this divine wisdom, this wisdom that's going to lead us to contentment by just knowing enough? Now this takes us back to the fall of humanity when Eve saw the fruit on the tree. Remember, she was in the garden and she saw this fruit. She saw that it was desirable for what? Desirable for gaining wisdom. She was tempted by the knowledge of good and evil. It was man and woman's attempt at being God, of being independent from God. Well, their quest for knowledge and independence, it ultimately messed everything up for us. They introduced sin into the world. And it caused death and brokenness to spread all throughout God's good and perfect creation. They introduced this sin into the world and it caused fighting and killing between humans. For creation, it caused caused it to groan and to respond with floods and earthquakes and fires and hurricanes and tornadoes. Was our quest for knowledge just a 21st century expression of our first sin? Well, Paul counters this new teaching and this new philosophy at Colossae by turning to Christ. It was a part of our reading. He says, Make sure that no one takes you captive through empty philosophy, which depends on human tradition. It depends on the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. He says, Because in Christ you have been given fullness. All the knowledge that's needed for salvation, everything that's needed for entering into this realm of the divine, everything that's needed for experiencing divine fullness, well, it's all found in Christ. There's no need to look anywhere else because Christ is our all in all. 
this mystery that Paul mentions in verse 3 of chapter 4. This is the mystery, the mystery of Christ. See, the philosophy that was being taught at Colossae, there was a secret knowledge for the spiritually elite. You had to do certain things. You had to contact these intermediary spiritual beings and then receive visions from them. Knowledge was hidden. It was tucked away except from those privileged few. But Paul comes in and he says, No, we want to proclaim this real mystery. I want to share with the world the real secret. And what is that secret? Well, Christ Christ is that mystery, who he is and what he has done. Christ is the image of the invisible God. This was our call to worship. He is the firstborn over all creation. And as the firstborn, he has the privilege of the firstborn. By him all things were created and everything was created for him. All things hold together in Christ. All the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And all things are reconciled through Christ. Everything is put back together. Christ made peace through his blood, the blood which was shed on the cross. So now we are put back into right relationship with God. Where once there was this division and this fractured relationship with God, well now there is healing and restoration for those of us in Christ. In Him we have the forgiveness of sins. Well, Paul is telling the Christians in Colossae that Christ is all that's needed. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing needs to be added to what Christ has done. Nothing needs to be taken away from it. You don't have to seek out angels or other mystical spirits. You don't have to stop eating certain foods and punishing yourself, hoping for a vision from the realm of the divine. All that you will ever need is in Christ. And then 2,000 years later, well, the same still holds true for us as God's people. All that we need is Christ. We don't need endless information and knowledge. We don't need money, sex, careers, relationships. We don't need these things to bring us fulfillment. We don't need to guilt ourselves. We don't need to punish ourselves to the point where we feel like we deserve forgiveness or where we feel like we earn forgiveness because we don't. We will never deserve forgiveness. All that we have earned is punishment. We deserve judgment and eternal condemnation for our sin, for the ways that we've tried to play God, for the ways that we've tried to do things on our own, for the ways that we've separated ourselves from God. Well, it's only by the work of Christ that we are healed and restored. It's only by the blood of Christ that our relationship with God is made good again. Well, Christ is our connection to the divine. He is our access to the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this relationship that brings us fullness in life, this relationship that we were a part of when God made the garden, when God put us in the garden, we walked in fellowship with God, in perfect fellowship with God. Well, this is where Paul's command comes in. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. 
Prayer is our lifeline to Christ. See, we live in a cunning world. It's, a, it's an attractive place that ever so slowly entices us away from our Lord and from our source of life. Our enemy patiently waits for little opportunities to chip away at the foundation of our faith. Now, the children's message this morning, Terry said that he has a giant rock in his yard. Now, just imagine somebody coming, trying to steal this rock at night. I think Terry's going to notice. But what if somebody came every morning before Terry wakes up, he came with a little rock hammer and chipped away at this rock. Day by day, chipping away. You probably wouldn't notice it until the size really started to diminish. And that's what's going on in our world. This world is attractive. We don't notice the way that it's enticing us away from our Lord and from our lifeline. All you need is that little bonus at work. Well, then you'll be satisfied. All you need is that one right person in your life. Well, then you'll be happy. All you need to do is get away from your spouse. Get away from him. Get away from her. Find somebody new. Well, then your life will be fulfilled. All you need is more knowledge. People will think you're smart. Then you'll feel better about yourself. Oh, and then you'll be satisfied. Slowly but surely we believe the lies. Well, it's all around us. It's on our TVs. It's on the internet advertisements. It's on our Facebook feeds. It's around us, the air that we breathe. And so Paul wisely commands us, the Lord wisely commands us through his word, to devote ourselves to prayer. Commit to it. Be strong in it. Hold on to it and don't let it go. Our ability to accept life, whatever life throws at us, depends on prayer. Our ability to faithfully walk through sickness and death depends on prayer. Our ability to live obedient lives depends on prayer. Our marriages Our relationships and our families depend on prayer. The vision that God has for our church, the vision that God has for Bethel Lacombe, it depends on prayer. Our growth and our maturity as disciples depends on prayer because in prayer we connect with Christ, our source of life, who is our all in all. But more than that, Proclamation of the gospel depends on prayer. Well, there are people out there who don't know the joy of Christ. Now think about it for us. We who do know Christ, we who have been given the eyes and the heart of faith by the Spirit, for us, life is hard enough knowing that God, no matter what comes, still holds this world in His hands. He still has control over all things But what about for those who don't know Christ? Those who think that this world is just up to random chance. People who think that they can earn their way into God's favor. Who exhaust themselves trying to be good enough. Or people 
who, has given, who have given up on life because of the intense pain, because of the intense guilt that they feel over their broken lives, whether it's sins that they've committed or sins that have been committed against them. Well, there are people out there right now living in darkness, living in despair because they think that what they see is what they get. What they see is all there is to life. They've never heard the truth about God's redeeming love. They don't know that God gave us Jesus Christ to restore all things. They don't know that there's this sure and certain hope for peace. Well, Paul says, pray for us that God will open up a door for our message so that we may proclaim this mystery of Christ. We know that it's only God who opens up eyes, who softens hearts to the gospel message. And so we pray, and we pray fervently with devotion that he would remove obstacles. Any obstacle that stands in the way of the gospel being proclaimed and received. Well, brothers and sisters of Bethel, Lacombe, there is a big world out there. And it's full of a lot of pain. It's full of a lot of sin, darkness, misguidance, and despair. But the mystery of Christ has been revealed to us. It's a mystery that proclaims forgiveness of sins and fullness of life for those in Christ. So let's turn our gaze outward, devoting ourselves to the one who is this world's all in all. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the encouragement that it serves in this world, Lord, that is sometimes ruled by darkness, ruled by pain, and ruled by sin and despair. We thank you that you have opened up our eyes to the gospel message of Christ, that in Christ there is fulfillment, that in Christ there is forgiveness and reconciliation. God, I pray right now for this church that you would remove obstacles that are keeping them from presenting the gospel, from proclaiming it in word and in deed to their neighbors, to the people in the pews, to their families. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work we ask that this church would be committed to prayer, seeking out your spirit, seeking to connect with you so that this world will not entice them away from you, Lord, but that your spirit would build them up to be mature disciples. So, Lord, that you might use us for your work here on earth. We praise these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.